We welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 tonight, if we can. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me, uh, let me just give you a word of encouragement real quick about uh, uh, the, uh, the offering that you have coming up, the commitments that you have coming up. Um, we know about that very, very well. Uh, we have been there and we have done that and our church went through the same uh, type of situation. We purchased a commercial uh, piece of property and um, God allowed us to um, get that remodeled. He gave us 70,000 square feet and uh, we just are rejoicing in that. Uh, we had the privilege of moving in uh, that building in April of 2011. And we did the same thing. We, um, we just gave by faith and challenged God's people to give by faith and to make monthly commitments by faith. And I'm telling you, there are just some amazing stories of how God came through and provided needs. Um, everything from, I mean, my wife and I, we, we had sold everything we could sell. There wasn't anything else other than our kids to, uh, to sell, uh, to get in on the offerings that, that we were receiving. And so we just began to pray, and we talked about it, began to pray, um, asked God if he would give her a, a part-time job and we committed to the Lord that if He would, uh, that after we tithed, that we would give all of, all of that income uh, to the Lord, that we would give it to the building fund. And I don't know how many years, um, a, lot, a lot of years, um, but she did it gladly, and God took care of us, and God did some amazing things. And I think about... Uh, an old, uh, crippled, gnarled hand lady named Karen Downs. Um, Karen, she said, Preacher, I can't do much, but I can, I can collect pop cans. And so she would literally, literally hobble down alley after alley after alley. And she would carry a black trash bag with her. And she would fill up that trash bag, and she would fill up many, many, many trash bags. And then various families of ours would drive her 60 miles north to Garden City, Kansas, uh, where she could uh, turn those in. And uh, what money she got from that, Karen was, was able to give to the building fund. And there's just so many stories like that, young couples who... You know, we're struggling to make it, but they said, Preacher, we're going to get in on this by faith. And God just did so many incredible things. And all of that to say this, last December, uh, we were able to burn the note seven years early. Amen. Because God's people bought into the vision 
and God's people had a mind to work. And so I hope that you will follow your pastor and his faith and, and the other leaders here um, as they catch the vision uh, for what can take place over there. And I'm telling you, you will have stories to tell that will just will increase your faith incredibly. And so I hope that you'll, uh, you'll get in on that. Don't miss the opportunity uh, to see God work in, in just an amazing way. Of course, we've been talking about grief today, and I've often said this about that. Grief is something that from the outside looking in just can't possibly be understood. On the other hand, from the inside looking out, it can't possibly be explained. Grief is a very unique emotion. Loss is a very unique there. Even this morning we heard a number of stories of folks who have experienced loss in, in different ways. And as I said this morning, we will continue to experience grief as long as we live in a broken world. But there's coming a day, amen, there's coming a day when there will not be any more grief. And praise the Lord for that. Let's, let's review, let's read verses 7 through 10 and then we'll review a little bit and we'll get into what uh, the Lord has for us tonight. Paul writing in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, three times, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect. In weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. The first thing that we learned this morning about coping with loss is that we don't have to get over it. And honestly, we can't get over it. But even beyond that, God doesn't require us to get over it. The concept of getting over it is a misleading an empty expectation. And I've already said, we, we get over breaks and sprains. We don't get over amputations. Yes, there are things that come into our life that are, are very hurtful and very painful. Those would be the, the breaks and sprains of life 
but eventually we're able to, to shake that off, if you will, and we're, we're able to get past the hurt and past the pain. But every now and then we experience an amputation where a part of us is taken away, a part of us is missing and will be missing for the rest of our lives. We don't get over an amputation. We learn to get through it. That doesn't mean that we just shut the door behind us and, and do our best to pretend the pain away. That's not what it means to get through. But what it does mean is that there will come a time by God's grace that we will come to accept the horrible event that brought us so much grief and so much sorrow and we'll find the strength to move forward in life despite the loss and pain. And I told you this morning that that time is different for different people, even different people within the same family. I mean, you think about our family. There's TJ's wife, Sheena. She had an intimate, one flesh connection with him that nobody else had. So she had one type of grief. My wife carried TJ, and you ladies will understand this, you moms, she carried him in her womb as part of her body for nine months. I didn't do that. His brother and sister didn't do that. And so Sheena, she's got her grief and Katie's got her grief and I've got my grief as, as one of the best friends in all of my life is now gone. And Tyler, his brother, and Tiffany, his sister, they, they have their grief. And, and so we've got to learn to give people room to grieve and to let them grieve in their own way. Not everybody grieves the same. But by God's grace, we all come to that, that point in time when we accept the fact and we've accepted the fact that our son is gone. He's not lost. We know where he is. People say, I, I, I'm sorry for your loss. We didn't lose him. We know where he is. And we're thankful for the hope that one day we'll see him again. And then we talked about a, a third truth having to do with the sovereignty of God. A, a true belief in God's sovereignty is to believe that God is never caught by surprise and that he is always in control, even through events that seem so random and so meaningless. So let's pick up tonight with a, a fourth truth that will help us get through what we'll never get over, and it's simply this. God 
can use our pain or use pain for our good and his glory. Now we all know Romans chapter 8 and, and verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. But here's a conclusion that I've come to tonight. God has a different definition for words than I do. For example, he does work all things for my eternal good and for his eternal glory. But his definition of good and my definition of good are not always the same. You see, my good would never include losing our son in the prime of his life. My good would never be our daughter-in-law, Sheena, having to answer questions like, Mommy, when is Jesus going to fix Daddy and bring him home? My good would be TJ alive and calling us every single week without fail just to see how we're doing. My good would be a uh, a sloppy wet kiss on my bald head and the words love you pops. Man, what I would give for one of those. My good would be TJ getting to watch all three of his daughters grow up to be godly ladies who marry godly men and spend their lives serving the God their mom and dad served. So you look at a situation like ours and a situation like some of you have been through or a situation that, that many of you are familiar with and you have to ask yourselves, what good can come from that? Well, here's one. Pain produces a deeper relationship with the Lord. Now, I'll be the first to admit tonight that I don't understand why God does what he does. But I know that he loves me and he wants me to draw near to him. And so sometimes he will allow me to feel the pain of this world's unhealed hurts if it brings us closer. A man by the name of John Kitchen said this, our deepest encounters with God may come wrapped in the deepest pains of life. One of the ways that pain produces a deeper relationship with the Lord is that it, purif it purifies our faith. Writing to suffering Christians, the apostle Peter Encourage them with these words, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than that of, of, of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, 
might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You see, before suffering, before we encounter any, any type of, of, of difficulty or, or any type of, uh, of loss, it's so easy for our untested faith to glibly say things like, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. But as grief envelops us, and we lean into the truths of who God is because of what the Bible says, even when we don't see it, our convictions of God's goodness and faithfulness are then stripped of all sentimentality and our faith is purified and strengthened. A second positive outcome of pain is that it helps conform us into the image of Christ. The testing of our faith can bring a spiritual maturity that nothing else can bring. Think back to Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good to them who, who love God, to them who are the called according to what, church? His purpose. And then Paul goes right on in the next verse and tells us what God's purpose is. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. God's purpose in your life and mine is to make us more like Jesus. God is, is going to chisel away all that detracts from Christ in us so that His glory may be seen through us. Yes, the process is painful, but the product is beautiful. Pain produces a deeper relationship with the Lord. Pain conforms us into the image of Christ. And then here's the third one. God permits pain in our life so we can help others with pain in their life. I mean, that's a biblical principle that Paul states at the beginning of the book of, of 2 Corinthians. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. And then Paul calls him the God of all comfort. And here it is, who comforteth us in all our tribulations that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. You see how that works? We, we are in sorrow, we are in grief, we are in pain, and God comes to us and he offers us his grace and he offers us his healing and he offers us his, 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 his truth and his teaching and his help. 
And so then when we encounter someone who's in grief and sorrow and pain, it is now our obligation to take what we have learned and the comfort that God has given us and we are to use that same thing to pour into the lives of others. As much as God has allowed, Katie and I have tried to use our experience to help others. Just as so many others have used their experience to help us. And here's what we've learned and here's what you will learn through that process. When we talk to someone who's farther along the path of recovery, it encourages us to keep moving forward with the hope that things will not always be as they seem right now. Likewise, when we share from our experience with those who, who, who have been recently shattered, it not only encourages them, but it helps us gain perspective by realizing how far we've come. And how good God has been. So even when our circumstances aren't good, God's purposes are. The next truth, along with the truth that you don't have to get over it, these two truths are probably the, the most Comforting to those that we've had a chance to visit with. These are the two that, that, that people mentioned to us the most, that helped them the most. The first one being you don't have to get over it. And the second one simply being this, it's okay to ask why. Some have been led to believe incorrectly, in my opinion, that it's wrong to ask why. But church, I submit to you tonight that God is not put off by our questions. Go home tonight and, and, and in the morning begin reading through the book of Psalms. I'm going to preach through, from a psalm on Tuesday night where in the first two verses, David asked four questions. David questioned God many, many times when he was seeking for answers. For example, he questioned God when God seemed to be distant. He questioned God when he felt forsaken by him. He questioned God when he felt like God had forgotten about him. There was a, a time that to me is somewhat humorous when, when David thought that maybe God was asleep and he questioned him. David questioned God when he felt like God was hiding from him and when he felt like injustice was going to be permitted to go on unpunished. And besides David, Moses questioned God in Numbers chapter 11 as did Habakkuk in chapter 1. And Job in chapter 7, the disciples in John chapter 9. And if that is not ample proof 
then just think with me to the end of Matthew, Matthew chapter 27, where the Son of God himself is hanging on a cross and in the midst of, uh, of his pain and suffering, taking upon himself the sins of the whole world, Jesus said, my God, my God, help me church, why? Why? This is God's own son. Why hast thou forsaken me? To quote John Kitchen again, he said, Why is the first and greatest word of the suffering soul? Our why questions allow us to go before our Heavenly Father and pour our heart out to Him. But that being said, I'll say this. I believe there is a danger in a persistent focus on why. Because the longer our question goes unanswered, the more it feeds a sense of entitlement. And as that sense of entitlement grows, it can easily and often does lead to bitterness. The subject of bitterness, as you can well imagine, is a a whole sermon in itself. But let me just offer you a, a couple of thoughts real quick on how to keep from getting bitter. And even this morning, we, we heard of, of, of folks who've chosen not to handle grief biblically and they've, they've become bitter and they've turned their backs on God and they've turned their backs on the church. And I'm telling you, that is a real possibility. Let me give you a couple of things to think about. Number one, accept what cannot be changed. There is not a person sitting here tonight who would not reverse the events of February the 6th 2018, if they could. But you can't. TJ's gone. It's happened. We can't unhappen it. And so that being the case, the best thing for us to do and the thing that we have tried to do and the choice that we have made is to focus on what's left, not what's lost. That's not to say that we're trying to forget TJ. Not at all. I told you this morning that will never happen. Never. We, you cannot walk in a room in our house without remembering that boy. And we want it that way. We love it that way. So we're not trying to forget him. We're not moving on from him. We are moving on with him. You see, getting through 
is about reliving the good memories and refusing to let the painful ones drag us down. Sometimes we can let our painful memories so dominate our minds and our viewpoints that our good memories all but disappear as they get tucked away in some dark corner of our minds. So no, this is not about forgetting our son. It's about choosing not to let his death consume us because we still have a daughter-in-law and our granddaughters and our son and his wife and their son and our daughter and her husband and their three sons who need us. Does that make sense? Allowing ourselves to become consumed by the grief of our loss is going to rob them and others in our lives of the love and the affection and the attention that they need and that they rightly deserve. Listen, the last thing, and I mean this, the last thing that we want to happen is for our remaining son and our daughter to eventually resent their brother's death because it's robbed them of their mom and dad. Or it's robbed their children of their Grammy and Papa. The final truth I'll share with you tonight and I'll be done. And it's certainly not last because it's the least. But it's simply this, God's grace is sufficient. The pain of losing our son was greater than anything I can even begin to describe. But the help that we have received from the Lord is greater than anything I could begin to explain. God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. And I love the word sufficient because it means enough. Always and forever enough. It would be easier to dip a sponge into the Atlantic or the Pacific and soak up all of the water than it would be to exhaust God's supply of grace. It would be easier for you to step out your front door in the morning and, and suck all of the, the oxygen out of the atmosphere with a straw than it would be to exhaust God's supply of grace. 
Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. When John Newton penned this promise, he did so out of personal experience. His greatest test came the day that he buried his wife, Mary. He loved her dearly. And he prayed often that his death would precede hers, but his prayers were not answered. Listen to this. On the day that Mary Newton died, John Newton found the strength to preach a Sunday sermon. The next day, he visited church members and later officiated at his wife's funeral. He grieved. Yes, he grieved. But in his grief, he found God's provision. He would later write this. The Bank of England is too poor to compensate for such a loss as mine. But the Lord, the all-sufficient God, speaks and it is done. Let those who know Him and trust Him be of good courage. He can give them strength according to their day. He can increase their strength as their trials increase. And then he said this, and what he can do, he has promised that he will do. Amen. Let's stand together this evening. Thank God for His all-sufficient, absolutely amazing grace. Many, many have been the attempts to define grace, and surely there are some some very good explanations and definitions of, of what grace is. To me, God's grace is His supply for my every need when I need it. His supply for my every need when I need it. But how do we we tap into God's grace? I think the book of Hebrews clearly gives us the answer to that. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of what? Grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Grace is God's supply for our every need just when we need it. 
So what is your need tonight? Is it salvation? There's grace for that. For by grace are ye saved. It's not of ourselves. It's a grace. It's not of works. I told you this morning, our hope of seeing our son one day is not because he was baptized or born into a Christian home or raised in church or graduated from a Christian school. It's not because he was a, a, a good businessman or a, a good husband or a good father. It's not because he was a benevolent person. He's there tonight because of God's grace. There came a day when he understood that he was a sinner in need of a Savior. And as a teenage boy, he bowed his head and he humbled his heart. He confessed his sin. And he called upon the name of the Lord. And the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If that's your need tonight, would you let us open a Bible and show you how you can know for sure, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that you're going to heaven when you die. Perhaps you're here this evening and your need is for, for sustaining strength. Just preach, I just need strength to go on. I get that. When we need grace to take another step, when we need grace to live another day, when we need grace to cope with another memory, listen, all we have to do is simply go to the Lord in prayer and ask for it. Go to the throne of grace and there we'll find mercy and grace to help in our time of need. So whatever your need is tonight, God's got the answer. God's got the grace to see you through. If you believe the Bible, say amen. amen. Let's pray together. I don't know what your need is tonight, but I pray that you'll take advantage of these next few moments. As Pastor Hooks comes, that you'll take advantage of this opportunity to find grace I don't know what the culture of your church is. Maybe you know somebody here tonight who's struggling. They're hurting. And maybe God would lay it on your heart just to, to go to them, slip your arm around them and let them know, hey, I love you. I want to pray for you. I am praying for you. I want to pray for you now. But whatever God leads you to do tonight, you obey him. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.